As we see the world melting down, so global health, global economy, global leadership, uh, global environmental things, and turning into a one world global environment, then I believe that's a setup for the Antichrist. Can America be saved? And is it ready for a revival? Despite all that's happening in America, we still have to keep praying and believe that there is still hope for America. Hi, and welcome to this episode of Inside the Epicenter with Joel Rosenberg, a podcast of the Joshua Fund, a ministry dedicated to blessing Israel and her neighbors in the name of Jesus. I'm Carl Muller, Executive Director of the Joshua Fund, and today we present an interview with our good friend Anne Graham Lotz as she shares her past and her thoughts about the state of the U.S. and what we can do as praying individuals. Take a listen to Anne Graham Lotz. Where are we on God's prophetic time clock? What does the rebirth of the state of Israel in 1940 mean? How close are we to the return of Jesus Christ? Uh, first to the rapture, but all, to the, all the other things that are going on. What's happening in the prophetic space, this prophetic sphere? And, you know, we spent a lot of time on the show on, on Israel, but we also have to look at the country that I was born and raised on in uh, the United States. And I'm deeply concerned about where the United States is. And joining me, is uh, Anne Graham Lotz. I've known Anne since 2010. We met at a big Christian conference, uh, 15,000 uh, people in Western Canada, which was really cold, uh, really cold. And it was There's like, no why the they had a, in fact, the people that invited me say, you can stay at my house. And I said, oh, that's so nice. I said, well, it'd be fun to catch up. They said, well, no, we'll be in Hawaii. Said, anyway, but one of the best blessings that came out of that break forth conference, Anne, was to, to get to meet you. And I, so we, we, you know, obviously followed you and your family, but to get to know each other. And then, wow, we've done a lot together. Epicenter conferences, a wake-up call conference in North Carolina on the 10-year anniversary of 9-11. So there's so much I want to talk to you about. But first, welcome back to Jerusalem. Welcome back to Israel. Thank you, Joel. And it's an honor and a blessing for me to be here. I met you in 2010, but I think it was 2009, maybe, that I was listening on the radio and you were doing an interview about the Ezekiel option. And I didn't know anything about you. I just knew that you were an evangelical Jew. And so I turned the car around. I went to the bookstore, bought that book, and oh. that got me hooked. I've read every single thing you've written. Um, right up to the Libyan diversion. That's right. Me. Fiction wow. and nonfiction, but just finished the Libyan diversion. And um, anyway, so, Thank you so I much. feel like uh, I know you in that realm, but that's you're, the way you put that together, you just, <laughs> it's just brilliant. I love to know this Joel, wow. and the one who loves the Lord, loves his people, loves Israel, loves prophecy. So. Uh, I appreciate it very much. You and I have an interesting relationship because you were, you know, normally I wouldn't say this uh, when a woman was born, but you make <laughs> it an okay. a, a, a integral part yeah. of your messaging, yeah. especially about Israel, because yeah. you were born in 1948. That's right. So in your life, you've tracked right along yes. with the prophetic time That's clock right. of the rebirth of Israel and its growth. Right. I was born in uh, April of 1967, yeah. just two months before the this city was reunified, yeah. Yeah. before the Six-Day War, before God gave Israel the, the holy city yeah. back. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then on the seventh day, he, the Jews rested. So yeah. really right. interesting. So let's get into this okay. because you've heard me say, and we've talked about it at some length, that I am very, very worried about where America is. You and I talk a lot about prophecy, about the end times, not because we're trying to get people scared, but we're trying to get people ready. That's right. And That's to right. wake up and realize we're, we're late, late in the game. Mm -hmm. And 
One of the things I'm concerned about is when we think about the book of Revelation and what's coming, the horror show that's coming, I look at America right now and I say, Americans, from my vantage point here in Israel, are fixated on the first three chapters of Genesis. Is there a God? What is a man? What is a woman? And what's a marriage? Uh, uh, Matt Walsh had this, uh, this, this documentary, uh, 175 million views of a documentary called What is a Woman? And he couldn't find a single person in the trans world that could give him an answer. So some of this is going to be very sobering. But would you just share your heart? Where do you think America is? Where do you think the church is? Uh, we'll get to Israel in a few minutes. I think what you just said, um, that they're asking those questions from Genesis 1 to 3, I would take it a step further and say it's a deliberate rebellion against the truth in Genesis 1 to 3. So they refused to define men and women as God defined them. They refused to define marriage as God defines it. They refused, you know, so, so it's a rebellion against God. And you know, living in America now, I'm just stunned at how quickly our rebellion has led us into um, enormous wickedness and wokeness, if we can use that term. I believe that America is under the judgment of God, Romans 1. So when God you know, convicts you of your sin, you don't repent, then he steps back and lets you go further in your sin. If you don't repent, he steps back, lets you go further in your sin until in the end he removes his hand completely from you or from a nation and you're just left your own reprobate mind, and which means you don't think straight. And America has lost its mind, the common sense. The, so in that, the church, there are many churches that are preaching the truth, that, are seek, that know what time it is and are seeking to wake people up. But there are many more churches, Joel, that are asleep. They're going along with the flow. They don't want to rock the boat. They just, and the, the trumpet is not making a sound. So how can people know that it's time to wake up? So one of the things that I'm also noticing, uh, well, that's a very sobering message, uh, but I don't, I don't disagree with you. I guess let me, let me follow it up by saying that the obvious follow-up is, do you believe there's still hope for a great awakening and a great revival uh, the revival would have to be inside the church. I tell people, you, you, an unsaved person can't be revived. <laughs> that's right. You have to be vived yeah. Yeah, that's to right. be revived. Yeah, that's right. So the revival happens inside the church, yeah. the Great Awakening yeah. in the in the country at large. The last we saw, of course, was the, the Jesus movement, yeah. which was pretty dramatic. I got yeah. saved. My parents got yeah. saved. A lot of people got saved. Yeah. And your father was leading the way in yeah. so many ways, preaching the gospel with such power and the power yeah. of the Holy Spirit. But do you believe that this is still possible or do you believe that, I mean, you're describing Romans 1. Romans 1 is you've chronically rejected the chastising of the Lord so often that God starts turning you over right. to a deluded mind right. and to uh, sexual perversions and so on and so forth. So, where, I mean, do you have hope for a great awakening? Um, I look at the scripture and I don't see that scripture prophesies that there will be a great revival and awakening before the rapture. I think, Joel that there will be that after the rapture. I think when the rapture takes place and suddenly people realize what they've been told by their family, their friends, has happened, and I think it's going to be the wake-up that we're praying would happen before the rapture, but I think many people will come to faith afterwards. What impacts you every day? There is one book that influences almost every aspect of our lives. Museum of the Bible reveals the Bible's impact on your favorite musicians and artists, the way we measure time, 
social justice, our national monuments, and more. The Bible's impact is all around you. Discover how at museumofthebible.org slash impact. Well, good day to you. It's Joel with The King Country dropping in to let you know that our brand new film, Unsung Hero, is in theaters now. It's Luke here. We've teamed up with the creators of Jesus Revolution to bring you this adventure of a lifetime. It's a powerful, true story about a family uniting, growing in their faith and facing the impossible together. In theaters now, unsunghero.movie for more information. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. Our verse of the day today is found in Psalm 85, verses 6 through 7. Will you not revive us again, that your people may rejoice in you? Show us your unfailing love, Lord, and grant us your salvation. Our prayer requests today are, number one, to pray for the people and the leadership of the United States, that their hearts are opened to Jesus. And second, to pray that all strongholds against the gospel in the U.S. are pulled down and that the glory of God sweeps across this nation. What is the rapture? How close are we, perhaps? Uh, What are the signs that tell us we're getting closer? Uh, These are the questions I want to bring to you, Ann Graham Watts. Thank you so much. You're the daughter of Billy and Ruth Graham, certainly the greatest evangelist since the Apostle Paul. But your mother was an incredible Bible teacher, too, that you were raised in this home. But that didn't mean that you would be a, a strong follower of Jesus. You could have you could have been a rebel. You could have been, uh, you know, who knows? So what has God been doing in your life that is, and how do you see with all that you've learned and your unique vantage point as a person, as a woman, as, a, as your family, on where we are in America, in Israel, in the world? You know, I was born May 21st, 1948. I was a little girl. I was on Good Friday. And I'd seen a picture about Jesus on television, and I knew that he died for me. So I got down on my knees, told him I was sorry for all the wrong things I'd done, asked him to forgive me and come into my heart. So I was born again into God's family at that time. Because and how I, old were you? I was, you know, I was seven, eight, or nine. Okay. I remember it was Good Friday. I can't remember the year. Did anyone but... sing Just As I Am to you? <laughs> Nobody sang okay. Just As I Am. I was all by myself. You can come and, forth uh, uh, <laughs> from the back. Your, your family will wait for yeah. you. <laughs> but they, I did tell my mother that night what mm-hmm. I had done, and... um God doesn't have grandchildren, Joel, so just because I'm Billy Graham's daughter doesn't mean I'm a child of God. But as I got a little bit older, I became aware of um, the birth of rebirth of Israel on May 14th, 1948. So exactly one week later, she was reborn on Friday. I was born on the next Friday. And you've been tracking so this, uh, yes. your own life and the, and the life of Israel. Yes, I felt very entwined, you know, with Israel. And, and then um, when she was reborn, I was reading... Um, Matthew 24, and Jesus gives a parable about the fig tree that has been dormant, but he said when it puts forth leaves, then that the generation that says, sees that take place will be the last. And he was speaking several days before and referred to Israel as the fig tree, and in the Old Testament it's referred to as a fig tree. So I believe it's a parable about the nation of Israel, that she was dormant for almost 2,000 years. May 14, 1948, the she put forth leaves. She was declared a nation by the United Nations and reborn. And we saw the fig tree come to life. And Jesus said, the generation that sees that will be the last. So he said that you can't know the day or the hour, which is right. But he didn't say you couldn't know the generation because he gave us enough signs so that we could know the generation. So generations in scripture, um, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but 
20 years, 40 years, or 80 years. So I'm 75. People say you could go up to 120. Oh, oh no. no, no (laughs) I don't want to go that long. (laughs) But if it's 80, so and I'm 75, I think in the next five years, we may be seeing the return of Jesus because he said the generation that sees that birth of Israel again, the fig tree putting forth. So I have had that strong compulsion um, that I'm in the last generation. And it wasn't until maybe... 10 or 12 years ago that the Lord set me free to start speaking about it. Until then, I prepared a message on Matthew 24, but he didn't allow me to give it until I spoke at National Religious Broadcasters, I remember, and he just pulled it out, and they only gave me 17 minutes, so I came out like a machine gun and told those religious leaders, you know, that Jesus is coming I believe in my generation, and it's time to be about his business. We can't play games. You know? All right, so let's make uh, a distinction. Yes. Um, we're talking, the, one is the second coming of yes. Jesus, yeah. that physical, literal return to that mm-hmm. Mount of Olives that will split, and that will be the end of this yeah. era as we've known it, and we'll head into the millennial kingdom. Yeah. Yeah. But describe briefly what the rapture is, mm-hmm. because not everybody understands mm-hmm. it, and it's not getting taught much yes. in I the know. church, not yeah. just in the United States yeah. or here in yeah. Israel, but yeah. around the world. Yeah. You know, and the second coming I describe as a seven-year period. So the first coming of Jesus covered about 33 years, and there were many different events. His birth, his ministry, his crucifixion, his burial, his resurrection, his ascension. So the second coming of Jesus, I think, covers also many different events over a seven-year period, possibly more. But the rapture begins, I believe, begins that seven-year period. And I'll, I'll take that back. It will take place before that seven-year period. What begins it is the signing of a treaty with Israel by the Antichrist, but according to Daniel. But the rapture, uh, and we use that term, which is not biblical or not in Scripture, but the event is. In First Thessalonians 4, Paul is very clear. In Corinthians, he talks about in the twinkle of an eye, your body will be changed. And it's just a time when the sky unfolds, the angel you know, blows the trumpet, Jesus himself comes down with a loud shout, and just in a nanosecond of time, we're caught up to be with him and our loved ones forever. We who? Define we. Uh, those who have put their faith in Jesus. So that's my father, that's my mother, that's my husband. So at that moment, they're with Jesus now, and I have no doubt about that, right. but they don't have their physical bodies. So at the rapture, they're going to be raised up. Resurrected. Resurrected with bodies that are like Jesus's was after the resurrection where he could go through a door, but he could eat fish and honey. <laughs> so it was, but it suited to live in eternity. And so at that point, we're so going to... the dead in Christ rise first. Yes. And then those who are alive, like me and you, are going to be caught up in the air to be with them, the Lord and them, it says, the Lord and our loved ones. So we're going to see Jesus and see them, and he'll take us to that place he's prepared for us. And I believe, so can I just transition yes, for a moment? So as we see the world melting down, the whole world, so as we see... Um, Everything turning global, so global health, global economy, global leadership, uh, global environmental things, and and turning into a one-world global environment, then then I believe that's a setup for the Antichrist because the Revelation teaches that that will be a one, there'll be a one-world um, system. And let me just but, say you know, how astonishing it was, mm-hmm. for even those of us who teach yeah, the Book of yeah, Revelation. Yeah during COVID to yeah. see how rapidly yes, yes. the whole world went into, yes. you can't walk out of that's your house, right. uh-huh. you can't go to church. That's sure, right. you can keep the yes. strip clubs and the gambling yeah, right. casinos and the, and and the bars open, yeah, but right. you cannot go to church. Yeah. You yeah. cannot, yeah. you can't sing yeah. about yes. Jesus yes. Uh, yes. so quickly. Yes. You can't so travel, quickly. can't yes. move. Yes. So that's just a glimpse of what's coming. But the neat thing, Joel, is when we see it getting as bad as it is, as wicked as it is, then I think we can be encouraged because we know the rapture is even closer. Because what we're looking into is what the world is going to be like on steroids 
for seven years, at least seven years, great tribulation. And um, so on this tour where I've been in Israel, I taught Matthew. Yeah, so you yes. brought a hundred women and you've been here for about 10 days. Yeah. You're going to Jordan next, yeah. but it, you know, I'm so glad you're still doing this yeah. and still, especially in this 75th anniversary year well, one for of you the, and for Israel. Well, one <laughs> of the messages I gave them was from Matthew 25, the parable of the 10 young women five of whom were ready and five of whom were not. They were all expecting to see Jesus. They all thought he was coming, or the bridegroom thought he was coming for them. They all had a lamp, a profession of faith, but five didn't have the oil. And so when the bridegroom came, they were shut out. And so the point was that when that rapture takes place, there's no moment, no nanosecond to get ready. You have to be ready. So it's very important that we have a profession of faith, but oil within it, which is the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, that we have been born again from God's point of view, that he sees the seal of the Holy Spirit within us because we've been to the cross, we've confessed our sin, we've told God we're sorry, we've claimed Jesus as our Savior, we've invited him to come into our hearts, we believe he rose from the dead to give us eternal life, we choose to follow him all the way to heaven. So if you've done that, at that moment, you're okay. Right. You're Even safe. if you're living a, 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 a messy life where you're still yes. struggling to, to yes. walk with Jesus yeah, every day. Yeah. In a moment, we're going to come back, and I want to talk about the hope. Mm-hmm. If you haven't received Christ mm-hmm. and the rapture happens, yeah. is there still hope? Yes, there is. But I also mm-hmm. want to talk about the assault, mm-hmm. the, the demonic assault on truth mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. the media, mm-hmm. in academia, mm-hmm. in government, mm-hmm. in the United Nations, everywhere we go, because how do you live yeah. As a follower of Jesus, yeah. is there hope for coming to faith in Jesus Christ? And is there hope if you've been left behind? Absolutely, Joel. Praise God yeah. that God loves everyone. And he sent Jesus to die on the cross to bring people to faith so that they would be saved from their um, the penalty for their sin. And that's just as true after the rapture as it is before the rapture. So I don't want to encourage anybody not to make that decision right. now. Because you could be on a plane that the pilot and the co-pilot are gone. That's right. You could be in a car right. uh, where the driver right. gets raptured. And suddenly, so you have no, there's no uh, guarantee yeah. you're going to make it to a point where you have yes, another chance. Right. But that's true about this life here. Yeah. Yeah. You can walk out your yeah. front door yeah. or just have a heart attack. Yeah. You need to be ready right the second. But, but the difference is during that seven-year period after the rapture, it's going to be hell on earth. Yeah. So there will Literally. be an outpouring, yes, outpouring of persecution on Jews and on Christians, just unlike it would be like the Holocaust on steroids. So, so Two-thirds you, of the world is, it perishes during yes, this Yes, that's right. So, But the hope is that if that happens to you and if you're put to death, you're immediately going to be in the Lord's presence. Yeah. So I believe after the rapture, there's going to be a worldwide awakening and revival. People that have been left behind suddenly get it, and they put their faith in Jesus. And uh, so whenever that happens, he will take them to be with him. He's preparing the place for them. So, yes, there is hope, but don't delay and procrastinate. Today is the day of That's exactly right. Uh, The Apostle John even says that he can't count how many people get saved during that period. Mm -hmm. And he's already counted on another page to 200 million demonic uh, creatures that are going to come attack us all. Or, or not us, but uh, those who are here. So he knows how to count high. Yeah. <laughs> the good news is the number's higher still, people yeah. who get saved. Yeah. But it's you really don't want to wait till that yeah. No, that's right. Look, we're under an assault of truth. So between here and the rapture, between here and the tribulation, uh, the Lord is essentially letting go increasingly to letting the forces of evil yeah. mm-hmm. uh, right. uh, go. We're seeing an assault on truth in academia, certainly in the media, um, in politics, in, in, in the church. Mm-hmm. We're seeing so many people that we might have looked up to yeah. are falling, yes. imploding. We yeah. see wolves that we yes. thought were shepherds. Yeah, um, right. But we're also seeing some of the major 
heroes of the faith, uh, imperfect, but still used by God powerfully. Your father, five years ago, going home to heaven. Your mother, a few years before that. Uh, Pat Robertson, just recently, the, the ultimate titan and pioneer of Christian media, taking the gospel global through the Christian Broadcasting Network. These are big figures that God is taking home prior to all this. What's your take on what's going on? So I'm not sure, but I know that I'm ready to go home at any moment. And I know for people who are watching your program, Joel, I would encourage them to read their Bibles because the Bible is the truth from beginning to end, from Genesis to Revelation. That's God's word. He doesn't mock his children. He doesn't play games. Nouns are nouns. Verbs are verbs. Every word is true. Jesus said not one jot or tittle would pass away until all comes to pass. So, so read your Bible and you'll know the truth and the Holy Spirit within you, it'll resonate. And you'll know when you hear something wrong coming from the pulpit or on television or through some spiritual, the Holy Spirit in you will just say, uh-uh, you know, you may not be able to explain why it's wrong, but the Holy Spirit will give you a warning. Heed the warnings because there's a lot of false, false teaching out there. So but why is he taking some of the major shepherds and evangelists home? Well, it's their time for one thing, <laughs> but I know what you're asking. And from what I understand is that in the olden days, when a king would get ready to go to battle, he called his generals home. So when you see these generals in the faith, these titans in the faith, coming home one after another, of course it's their time and their days have been counted in God's book. But could it be that the king of kings is getting ready to go to battle and he's calling his generals home? Amazing. I want to close, and unfortunately, we have to close. I, I, I'm so happy to have you here. I'm so thank glad you. you brought another trip to yeah, Israel. Thank you. I'm grateful. Lynn and I are grateful for your friendship yeah. and your whole family. Yeah. I want to mention two things to my audience that have stuck with me of, of the many, many things that you, you've taught. Uh, and we're going to put some of your books on the screen as well. But here's a sit At one of the Epicenter conferences, you said two things. First, if you want a, a revival, mm-hmm. You were quoting an old uh, British evangelist, and you said, take yeah. a piece of chalk or something and yeah. draw a circle around yourself yeah. and ask, Lord, will you bring revival to every single person in this circle? Like, <laughs> revival has to start with us. Yes, that's if right. you're on a plane, you'd say, put the ge- yeah. oxygen mask on first. You can't yeah. help anybody else yeah. if you're unhealthy yes. spiritually. Yes. Yes. That's one thing. The other thing you said is our understanding of holiness mm-hmm. and God's understanding of holiness mm-hmm. is not enti- is totally different. Mm-hmm. You described when... I. I think it was NBC, some major television network was coming to your home in North Carolina uh, to do a major television interview. And your mother and you kids were (laughs) going crazy. This place has to be spotless. And you thought by the time that crew came and set up all their equipment, you thought this place is spotless. And then you said your mother was horrified when the Klieg lights, the television lights came on. And the level of yeah. dust and whatever, <laughs> even in the uh, air, even the, that you could see yeah, with the uh-huh. brightness of yeah, that yeah. intense light. Yeah. And, you, and I remember you said, we think we're cleaning up our lives, even with God's help. Yeah, we're not, yeah. what's still there yeah. is not where God wants yeah, us to be. Yeah. And I think we just need to close by yeah. saying, Lord, uh-huh. revive us, but, but purify yeah, us. That's right. Because that's, right. that's our only hope, yeah. that we stay yeah. tight yeah. under the... Loving arms of Christ. You know, Final thoughts. For me. And Revelation 19 says, four times it says in that passage, hallelujah, hallelujah, the bride has made herself ready. And I believe this is a time, with all my heart, I believe it's time for the bride to get ready. And I know we have to be ready at that moment for the rapture, but to get ready, so to speak, by by keeping our focus on him and being holy as he is holy. Um, and there's a purifying effect. All of this that we've talked about Knowing that he's coming back any moment has a purifying effect on me. I want to be pleasing to him. I want to be ready. I want an abundant entrance. I want as many. I want to take as many people with me as I can. I know I can't. 
they have to make their own decision. Right. But I want, want to make sure they've had that chance. That's, and we don't want to stand exactly before right. Jesus one day yeah. and said, I didn't have the courage to yeah. tell people yeah. about That's you. Exactly I wish we had right. more time. Yeah. And so thank right. you yeah. so much. Thank you all for watching. So grateful. Keep on your knees praying for America, uh, for Israel, for yourself, for your children, uh, for your parents, um, for your friends and neighbors. Well, thank you for listening to this episode about the situation in the United States and the revival we desperately need. If you found this podcast truly valuable, please get in touch with us. Let us know who you are. Do you want to talk about something else on the show? Do you have a question you want Joel to answer? Please send any comments you may have to podcast at joshuafund.net. Your feedback is incredibly valuable to us as we develop this podcast. And as always, you can check out our show notes for anything you heard on the podcast that you'd like more information on. For Joel Rosenberg and the Joshua Fund Ministries team, I'm Carl Muller. Thanks for listening to this episode of Inside the Epicenter with Joel Rosenberg. There's nothing in this world that he cannot do if we truly allow his love. We can do nothing without him. Anything that we do apart from him is not something that's permanent. We all need his grace. That's everybody. We are all broken people on our way to a place that we believe is, is waiting on us in heaven. You can find more of Bridges with Monica Schmelter at lifeaudio.com. In Christ, we are all one family. Amen.